Can music play a role in healing? We're so glad that you're here because you're choosing to thrive in your relationship. Guys, welcome to The Betrayed, The Addicted, and The Expert, a Beyond Enough production. Hi, I'm Ashlyn, the once betrayed. I'm Kobe, the once addicted. And I'm Brandon, the expert. And he's definitely an expert. You've been working to help couples with their extreme challenges for like 15 years, right? Yeah, a long time. And I'm glad that I'm here with you guys sharing your vulnerable story. And I hope that it helps our listeners as well. Absolutely. And if you need some help getting started, we have a free resource over at beyond-enough.com forward slash step one. And that's one, the number. It provides the first key steps to healing your relationship, regardless of how tough things are right now. All right, guys, let's roll. All right. We're going to answer that right after we get to share with you a review from the podcast. We really appreciate you guys taking the time to jump over to iTunes and share some feedback over there. This one is, says, extremely insightful. Every time I press play and hear the intro music, I feel relaxed and ready to listen. Even when I don't feel particularly like growing and stretching myself, I never regret clicking the play button. Thank you all so much for your insight, uh, not only for my journey as the one in recovery, but also the perspective it has helped me take on the betrayed's journey as well. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, <laughs> I think it would be, uh, I think that's a very honest review of saying, I don't always want to listen, <laughs> but I don't regret it. It's kind of like a workout. Rarely do we want to go work out, but yet we don't regret it. Once we do, then we're really happy about that. Um, guys, today's going to be a really unique and really special um, episode. And it's one I know that's very meaningful um, in, in, in some experience. In my limited experience, it's been very meaningful for me, um, music and its role and how music has changed for me since starting recovery and, and just learning more about myself. I know it has for Brandon as well and Ashlyn too. But um, we're really excited to have Murray with us today. Um, Murray Hittery is a medita meditation teacher, composer, and pianist. He studied music and composition at NYU and sees music as a bridge connecting that which is hidden with that which is manifest. Hittery is well known for his silent hikes where participants wear headphones, while they experience an environmental an environment such as a garden or a beach guided by verbal and music cues from him. Um, you've been on nationally televised uh, uh, TV and uh, we're excited to, to have you with us, uh, Marie. Um, it's gonna be a great experience for us and let's just go ahead and, and jump on in just very quickly. Can, let me, let's just answer that question. Can music play a role in me healing from my own addiction and the wounds that that uh, spawned it and can music play a role in in my partner who's been betrayed who i betrayed play a role in their healing as well so i'll unequivocally say the answer is yes to that and and it's that's really coming from this is nothing theoretical this is coming from you know really where the rubber meets the road it's it's my own experience it's the experience of many loved ones in my life that have been through addiction and recovery um, that use music, in particular the mind travel music, um, as part of their journey, as their companion towards this continuing, you know, journey of discovery. Um, and you know, if we think about music, generally music as the language of emotions, right? I mean, we we consider, you know, when we say that, you know, uh, I don't have words for it, 
um, we turn to music, right? That's what we say. And there's a reason for that. Music is a multidimensional language. It's a language that unlike our spoken language, right? When we speak, we put one letter in front of the other, which is one word in front of the other, one sentence in front of the other. We construct ideas. Those ideas become more sophisticated, but it's all linear. It's all one word in front of the other to communicate. And if two of us communicate at the same time, then we just can't understand what's happening. It's just noise or presidential debate. We just can't understand what's happening. So we have to have like this taking turns in our conversational linear approach to communication. Music operates very differently, right? Music is linear in the sense that we put one note in front of the other or one phrase in front of the other to create these musical sentences, right? Or phrases as we call them. Um, but when we have two voices at the same time, we don't call that noise. Now we call that harmony. Harmony. Ah, and one yeah. plus one equals, you know, three, five, ten, right? We think about the music of Bach, which is counterpoint. Counterpoint is multiple voices interweaving with each other. And through the harmonies, now those two notes have a third context versus their own context at individually. And so that's where the multidimensionality of music really becomes powerful. And the reason why that relates to emotions, as I'm sure Brennan can attest to, our emotional states are not linear. We don't go through typically an emotion and then another emotion and then another yeah. one in a linear fashion. They are stacked. They are layered. They are interwoven. They are like, you know, like mixed up spaghetti. Like you got to like parse them out. And how do you do that, right? It's very overwhelming, which is why we feel a lot of times overwhelmed by our emotional states. And music has this ability to parse out and peel out and unpack those emotional layers. And that is what creates that um, real satisfaction, right? Emotional satisfaction, emotional insight, emotional literacy, emotional understanding, emotional connection that we achieve through music. Yeah. Wow. wow. I, uh, Murray, I say to my clients, they come in for talk therapy and, you know, we yeah. try to talk things out and that's linear and we talk and, and yeah. it, it can be kind of frustrating because I believe that, that real healing happens when you, when you experience something, when you feel something, that's when the, that's when the real shifts happen. And, and music does that music has the ability to create that. Um, but could you could you back up just a little bit? I'm I'm so yeah. curious about mind travel and and just just give us a little bit of background of how you developed this and how it came to be and 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 what is it exactly? Absolutely. So this started, you know, um, when I was five years old. I, I started playing the piano when I was uh, five six years old. I also played some other instruments, but music has always been a real part of, of my life, uh, even as a small child. And by the time I got to high school, Brendan, I knew that I wanted to be a composer. I felt like I had my own thing to say with music, uh, my own voice to express. Um, I was quite a shy kid. I had a very vast internal world. Um, you know, I, 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 there's lots of photos of me in my, in my mother's uh, albums of me staring out the window of the car, just imagining. Um, and that's, you know, very prevalent for me. Um, so this vast inner world expressed itself less through words and more through music um, mm -hmm. of me sitting in, you know, my parents home in the living room, you know, 
kind of playing the piano, figuring out my own tunes and expression. So I knew I wanted to be a composer, which I eventually did study uh, formally at NYU to be a classical composer and pianist. Um, at the same time, as a teenager, I also started to explore um, Eastern philosophy, meditation, uh, in particular Zen Buddhism, and then other traditions, including Vedic traditions from India. But overall, looking at the Eastern philosophy as a way to inform kind of my, my seeking, my path. I think ultimately, all of us, no matter where we come from, we, we all kind of live with some kind of lacking and this kind of lacking that we all want to fill in some way. And that lacking can be kind of traced back Right. And this is kind of the work you do every day. Right. We're tracing back that sense of lacking to some wound. Right. Some core yep. wound that that, you know, that developed and that that narrative that was created when we were probably five, seven, nine, 12 years old um, or multiple narratives. And, you know, for me, I, I went and on a search for how to fill that. And it was a combination of music and this Eastern philosophy, meditation. And those two worlds fused together to create an experience where I would sit down at the piano and I would play and improvise and sometimes an hour or two hours would go by and suddenly I was feeling so much better afterwards. Mm -hmm. So it became my own kind of musical meditative practice to de-stress, reduce anxiety, find balance, express my emotions, which I had a harder time doing verbally. And then a whole other world of kind of consciousness experiences opened up from there where I was really able to almost stretch time in new ways and open up uh, creativity in a, in a very deep way for myself. All that really hit the, the kind of uh, its measure by uh, a very tragic event, the most tragic event that happened in my life, which was the sudden death of my sister in an accident. And I was there to witness it with her. So there was wow. not just the, the grief that I went through of, of the death of my 23 year old sister and, you know, without a doubt, my favorite person in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, but there was also the trauma of what I um, saw, what I experienced, what I, you know, what I went through there. So there was a lot to go through to process. Yeah. And ultimately I fully believed that to heal through something, you have to fully feel it through. Yep. And it was a combination of modalities. I did go to a therapist. I think everybody, if they're going through, especially something as difficult and, and, and you know, intense as that, I went to a specifically a grief therapist, which was very helpful, especially during that first year. Um, but I also turned to music. And I would sit at the piano every day and I would play the pain out of me. Mm -hmm. And I don't think there's any way to skirt around, especially something as intense uh, and extreme as that kind of yeah. suffering and pain. Um, and I was able, as we just were describing, to kind of unpack the layers because it wasn't just grief. It wasn't a block of emotion. It was multi-layered, right? There was all kinds of emotions intertwined in that. There was anger in there. There was shame in there. Yeah. There was guilt in there. There was sadness. There was, it's just, you know, and they undulate and they go back and forth between. And just when you think you're seeing sunny days, you get slammed back, you know, into, uh, into the back of the, the chair, just like hollow. Um, and then you, and then you fight your way back again. And, and I did that. And, and my weapon of choice was music. That was, mm -hmm. that was, you know, 
kind of as a as a heart warrior, right? Uh, which we all are, going through our emotions and battling that. You know, what 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 are we bringing with us to the fight? You know, right. and uh, you know, are we bringing a bottle of booze or are we bringing something like music? You know, yeah. and 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 that's really the choices like that are out there. And I, I you know, I can attest to really dark feelings. Um, you know, going into a depression, going into thoughts that I never thought I would have um, when you go through that, because you're not yourself. You know, when you go through right. that, there's no way. It's like this temporary insanity is what I experience. Right. Yes. Uh, it's interesting hearing you say, like, I express myself more with music. You definitely expressed everything that I felt in my own grief work of feeling of feeling my way through this hurt and betrayal to find some peace. And so you're good at both. Um, I will say that. Um, I, it's interesting because I had a gal reach out over the weekend who I hope listens to this episode. I hope everyone listens to it, but just hearing it from your own experience and a different type of grief work, but definitely the, the feeling your way through it, you know, she's doing our Beyond Betrayal program and she says, everything's getting worse. I feel more anger and I'm yelling at my kids and I'm yelling Good. at my husband. Yeah, yeah. And, and she says, like, I know you guys say that that's going to happen, but like, this doesn't feel right. My husband's saying, why are you doing this to us? You know, and that's the heart is like, you have to feel your way through it. And so hearing you describe, I just sat down at the piano to play out the pain. I thought, oh. I want to be able to sit down at the piano and I don't have that skill set. So how, how do we use and encourage that when we don't have that talent? So what's wonderful about music as a language is that it doesn't matter if you're the person speaking the language or listening to the language for it to have the communication. Okay. So I'll say that again. It doesn't matter if you're the one speaking or listening for it to have its impact for the communication to land. And I'll furthermore state that it doesn't matter that I don't know the details of your pain, right? I don't know the details of your pain. There's no way I could know mm-hmm. the details of your pain, right? And to any of your listeners, right? I don't, I don't know them personally. Um, they don't know me personally. They don't know the details of my pain. Yet somehow we're able to connect through the music because it's like this translation, right? Where my pain translates into this musical pattern and construct, which then is absorbed, listened, and translated into an emotional state, which somehow lands. And you can relate it to your own details, even though I don't have your details in mind when I'm creating the music. Because the human experience has a commonality. It doesn't matter what the surface details are. Doesn't matter what we look like, you know, all the different things that we think create such diversity amongst us. Yes, those are true. And at the same time, the details of the human experience are pretty similar. Just different, you know, different details, different times, different places, you know, different things. Um, But there's a commonality that can be expressed. And it doesn't matter if you're playing it or listening to it, you can be in that space. I oftentimes will listen to a recording and I get something very different out of it than when I'm actually playing it because I'm able to just go on the ride in a little bit different of a way. Hmm. Very interesting. I think this is fascinating. And um, if, if you will, Murray, I'm, I'm interested to hear um, from you on the, the feeling through it part, right? Um, can you describe maybe just in, in, in high level points what you felt 
as you work through that? And how did you give yourself permission to say, this is actually okay to feel this? Right. Well, the first, um, the first statement I think my brain made, uh, I don't even want to say I made it. It just happened. <laughs> I don't think we actually even control our thoughts, but that's another, that's another conversation. Um, the first thought that appeared was, um, how am I going to get my life back? How, how, how can I even get a semblance of my life back? Um, and I didn't know the answer to that. It wasn't clear to me. And it certainly wasn't clear to me that if I did, it would be the same life. It would clearly be a different life. And that is ended up what happened. And I, and I will say that not only did I get my, well, I didn't get my old life back. I got a new life back. And the new life I got back is 10 times the old life I had. Yeah. Now, you'd never want to wish an event like that on anybody. But we all will deal with something like that, right? A lot of people will experience something worse. Some people won't experience something maybe that traumatic, you know, of a death of someone so young in their life and out of the norm of the, you know, of the flow of nature. But there will be extreme grief. There will be painful. There will be suffering. We all experience it. And then there's a question of how we choose to show up to that, you know, adversity. And for me, I made a commitment early on that I was going to get through it and I was going to lead my best life possible. I didn't know how. I didn't have the roadmap for it. But that was my commitment to myself. And then I turned to the music. And as I mentioned, you know, to Brennan, I turned to a therapist. I turned to running. I ran. I committed to running a marathon in my sister's honor because we promised we were going to run together. That was one of the last conversations we had. So I ran the London Marathon. And my parents ended up flying from New York and surprising me towards oh, wow. the finish line. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, it was just, you know, like emotional, I'm guessing <laughs> out of a movie, you know, just out yeah. of a movie, you know, I'm running, I hear my name and I, and I see my mother on the sidelines, oh. you know, it, it was, it was otherworldly surreal moment, but a healing moment nonetheless. And again, I mentioned all these things because they all provided healing in their own ways. I think it's important to engage our physicality um, and, and our emotional mind because the two are so interwoven we we hold emotion and trauma in our bodies yeah so th by connecting the two by embodying the two we are able to move that energy of emotion and pain um you know through through us and out of us but going back to your point kobe about how do we really get into the feelingness of it right that's a very raw state and i think that in order to fully move through Something as difficult as, you know, whatever is, is driving addiction, whatever is, you know, the, the toughest grief, whatever we're dealing with, that's that's the object of the suffering. I think it's important that we have to hit rock bottom with it. And it, it's 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 hard to know when you hit rock bottom. But but when you when you hit it, you kind of it's it's unmistakable. You know, it's it's uh, it's it's so overwhelms you that. You, you truly don't know if you can even get up from the bed or the couch or the floor if, in some cases. And, 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 it, and of course, it manifests in many areas of our lives, right, with our relationships and our jobs and our, you know, everything, our health. But when we hit rock bottom, then we have something to push off from. Mm -hmm. And when, if, if we try to kind of get through it as we're falling, just imagine falling, you know, there's nothing to push off of. 
like the physics of it, right? So we're kind of grasping all the time, yet we still fall, even though we're grasping and the branches of the trees are breaking as we go down sometimes. And sometimes we, we might feel like we're slowing ourselves down and we're making progress, only to then fall further. So it's important to know where that bottom is, and it's different for everybody. But once we do, we can then have the bedrock to push off of, the foundation to push off of, and start to rise. And the music is intended. It is, it is intended, the intention of the music is to meet people exactly where they are. It's not say, about, say more about that, Marie, because that's an interesting statement. It's not about I'm, – I'm not trying to create music that is trying to kind of make people feel good and inspire them and like, you know, that's a Band-Aid. That's a Band-Aid to the problem. Mm -hmm. And it might work for an hour or a day or a week, but it's a temporary fix for a much deeper problem. And unless you meet somebody – I mean, and this is, Brendan, I think what you would say you do in your work yeah. every day. You, you, you can't be like, hey, whatever you're feeling, don't worry about it. Everything's be happy. Be <laughs> yeah, just be happy. Uh -uh. Like, what are you talking about? Do you, right. Are you even listening to me? Right. right. <laughs> so so you've got to meet them where they're at. And where they're at is a really painful situation, is suffering, is yes. they, they're not seeing clearly. Um, they're in overwhelm. They're... So you got to meet them there and sit with them in that space. And once you connect there, then you can slowly rise up together. You know, you know, Marie, as you're talking, like we are energetic beings and, mm -hmm. and it, it, you know, you're talking about music and we could almost replace empathy with music where, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes people just need to shut the hell up so that they can empathize. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just be there on an energetic level with somebody so you can rise yeah. up together. Music's the same way. That, that music, yeah, you don't wanna play happy songs with right. somebody who's grieving and sad in that moment. Right. It's, about, it's about resonating, right? You start to wavelength with them and they start feeling it, they start processing it, they start working through it. Um, I'm speaking about this like I know what I'm talking about when you're the pro on this. But no, you're absolutely, absolutely right, yeah. yeah. So. And, and, and look, if you if you went to sit with a friend or or, or family member that was that was grieving or going through something really difficult, I mean, this is from my own experience. All it takes is someone sitting next to you, you know, maybe a gentle, you know, loving caress of of, of your hand or arm or knee or or shoulder or whatever. They, they don't have to say anything, and it's better yeah. if they don't, because there just there's be nothing that. they can say that can actually make it better. It's just their presence. That you just know that there is love. Love gets created, and it's love that can rise it up. And music is a proxy for love. Yes, right? M music is the language of love, of emotions, and and it is that that um, it it is a vehicle for empathy, um, right. and and for connection. So look, not all music's created equal. I mean, you know, saying you know any music is like saying food. Like you know, you could just eat any food and it'll be healthy. Like no, it you need the right food for the right situation, just like you need the right music for the right situation. Yeah. And I do think of music like food a lot. You know, there's some music that's great for dessert and some music you know that's you need as a wholesome entree, right? Um, and so once you're able to meet them there and and allow them to feel it fully, Kobe. You know, that's what we're saying. We're saying. Just like you gave the example of the of the woman going through you know recovery and 
suddenly more came out and she went deeper in it, right? No, you, you got to feel it fully. And sometimes we're holding back and, and there's a lot of shame and I shouldn't be angry and I shouldn't be this because of my conditioning socially from when I, where I grew up or whatever. But no, you got to feel it authentically to who you are and what you are in that moment. Mm-hmm. And there's an awareness that's part of that. And then there's got to be an acceptance that's coupled with it. Because if we then if if we become aware of it and express it, and then we're ashamed of it, or we're like trying to push away mm-hmm. from it, create resistance from it, th- then we're not healing through it. Won't go there. We have to accept and embrace ourselves fully, how we are, just how we are. The music can hold that space beautifully. The music can really just and listening to music with others. That's why the, you know the events, Ashlyn, that we do, where you have hundreds or thousands of people coming together. You know, they they get to experience that individual journey collectively, mm-hmm. and that's where the magic happens. It really is, really is magnificent. But you know, th- that's what this work is all about. It's figuring out that you know that lack we all feel, whether we're aware of it consciously or not, and then what are we trying to fill it with? And all too often, we're all all of us. We're all trying to fill it with impermanent temporary measures mm-hmm. right and that's where addiction takes hold of us takes grip of us and you know and and and, and of course they're temporary they go away you're left with the hole and then what do you do you fill it again and because of our you know our bodies get adjusted to this stuff you got you got to keep filling it with more and more and more and more and then and then it could kill you right i mean that's what happens so Murray, yeah. Murray, you said something really profound earlier and i want to kind of reiterate it and, and ask a question about it in that when you, when you listen to the music or when you go into the pain, um, you just go into the pain. You're not, you're not like using alcohol to numb out or, you know, escaping the pain. But something yeah. you said was when, when you were processing the pain of, of your sister and, um, and how your life, you know, is, is 10 times better now, you didn't know where you were going. You didn't know how it was all going to end up. Right. So is there an element of almost faith or vulnerability to allowing yourself to step into that and not knowing how it's all going to end up? Well, there is a surrendering. Um, that is for sure how I think about it. Yeah. Um, there's an unknown. There's a vast abyss in front of you. It's a black hole. Um, you're both in it and moving into it at the same time. Yeah. You're just lost. There's no sense of directionality. There's no landmarks, you know, like when you walk through New York City, you got the Empire State Building, you know, in Paris, you got the Eiffel Tower, you know where you are. There's none of that. You have no frame of reference. You're just lost in a dark place. And there's no, you know, there's no way out. You don't even see the light at the end of the tunnel to even know that there's an end of a tunnel. You don't even know where you are. So, you know, that's the reality. That's your reality. Right. Um, And, and, you know, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. That's, which, uh, which makes it easier to drink booze and numb out. But if you do that, you don't get the benefit that you're talking about of moving through it. Right. And finding that light at the end of the tunnel, right? That's right. You're, you end up feeling, you're feeling less as opposed to feeling more. more. And, and I think it's important for us to interject here, and I, th- I think you would all agree, is we can, we can insert this distinction between pain and suffering. Yes, Right. And for most people, that's the same thing. They'd be like, no, that's the same thing. What do you mean? My pain is my suffering. My suffering is my pain. No. I'm in pain. I'm no. suffering. It's totally different. Right. I think as human beings, we're 
pain is part of the system, part of the design, right? Both physical and emotional. And it's very helpful at times. If you feel a pain, it means it's a signal something's wrong, handle it, right? Same emotionally. So there, it's data points, it's information that we can use. And yes, there is a bittersweetness to life. There's a melancholy to life, um, but it's coupled with, you know, the joys and the beauty of life. We live in this dualistic experience, which has both of them to it. And, you know, we embrace that, you know, birth and death. Everything has that context, mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean it has to have the additional layer of suffering yes. on it which is the narrative, the story, the interpretation of the painful event that we place on it. And that's the, that's the point where we can, if we can separate those two through thoughtful, mindful reflection, contemplation, then we have freedom available to us in the space yes. we create between pain and suffering. And, and that's that's what happened for me. And I know what happens for so many if, if you bring, you know, uh, attention to it. Yeah. Pain is mandatory. Suffering is optional. Exactly. Right. That's that's very well said. Murray, tell us what um, people experience when they when they um, when they attend an event for the first time, whether it's virtual or yeah. it's in person, obviously with COVID-19, that's uh, put a stifle on many, uh, you know, in-person events. But what can people expect when they show up? even virtually you know typically kobe people would come and have no clue what they're coming to <laughs> so i say that because most people show up because of a friend told them to come okay so everything i've done has been word of mouth you know we, we've brought this to just a gazillion people and it, it i hear over and over again it's word of mouth my friend told me to come my friend in new york told me to come i'm in a different state you know and i tour this around the country so you know i'll end up in tallahassee and someone's like yeah my my friend in chicago told me to check it out or my friend in you know miami told me to come and and they just show up out of trust of their friend right which which makes sense but they don't really know what they're getting themselves into and when they show up they're taken on this just beautiful journey. And it just takes a little bit of curiosity. It doesn't take any experience with meditation. It takes zero experience with any mindfulness training. It takes no experience of being a sophisticated music listener, classical music or anything like that. N none of that. All you have to do is show up as your open, curious self. And whatever you're going through, you can use that, you know, Brendan used the word vulnerability, you know, you don't have to let it hang out there. You just have to be open to being moved, right. right? As opposed to being in our default, everything's out to get me, including this music. It's out to get me, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> right? Like, like, you know, just judgment, judgment, judgment. And, you know, I'm a born and bred Brooklyn, New Yorker. So I get, you know, New York skepticism, borderline. You against the world, right? It's like, yeah, <laughs> right. But as long, if we bring some openness to it now, they're going to, usually be in some beautiful outdoor setting like Central Park or Santa Monica Beach or, you know, in all these cities, I've, I, I go to the most beautiful natural settings that every city has, has, has you know, in their park system. We'll be in the grass, by the water, by the river, by the ocean. And so nature opens up that access to healing yeah. as well. So mm -hmm. nature is part of the experience. This is a 
this is a systemic experience, right? It's like a, a system of, of ingredients. Nature is one of them. And even if we're in a beautiful theater, right? I mean, I'm transporting them with visuals and art, mm -hmm. you know, art visuals. Um, so you have the, you know, natural aspect, the visual aspect. Then you'll see a piano in the middle of the beach, in the middle of a field, just that we bring and, you know, we set that up. And as Ashlyn mentioned in the beginning of the program, it's very tough, you know, to hear a piano out in nature. The acoustics are terrible, horrendous. There's no, there's no container. So what I do is I actually give headphones, just like the kinds you guys are wearing, nice, juicy, comfortable headphones. And they're uh, putting everyone on the same channel. And so essentially everyone has the front row seat, no matter where you are, right? Uh -huh. It could be a thousand people there. Everyone has an immediacy an intimacy with the music. It's like I'm playing just for you. And you see me playing and you hear it. And now, by the way, other people walking by the beach or the park, they see me playing and they hear nothing. It's totally silent. Oh. From the outside world, there's a silence to it. And that is metaphoric in and of itself. It's experiential in and of itself because it's about this being an internal experience. So from the outside, you just see a bunch of people on the beach. You see a guy playing a piano and you're like, what's going on? <laughs> and, Sounds awesome. And that actually opens up um, the ability for the participants to have physical movement. So yes, you can sit on your beach chair, on your blanket, bring a little picnic, but then you see people get up and I invite them to walk towards the shoreline. Um, they'll walk alone or with their partner, friend, loved one, and they'll have their moment. Again, listening as if they're in the front row. So not missing a beat of music. And they'll, they can walk a quarter mile down the beach. Have their moment. Come back. Have a healing moment, a personal moment of reflection, of expression. Maybe they have a good cry. That happens every time. And then they come back and join the group. And they realize that they just had that profound, intimate, personal experience as an individual. And yet we're all experiencing that as a community in togetherness. I, I can imagine in those situations, so you've got people who are like, yeah, I think I need some dance space in order to feel through this. And so they might take a step away yeah. um, and, and have their own experience while others may kind of stay within themselves, but, but still a part of the larger group and right. have perhaps even a different experience, um, I guess, interpersonally with others without anything right. but the music and the setting as the, the backdrop. The, is that, is that. Yeah. Kobe, the headphones give, the headphones do something strange. It gives people the perception of anonymity. It, it somehow puts them in their own world. So even though they're visually viewable, yet somehow they're, they feel more comfortable expressing, emoting, it feels more like they're cocooned, they're being held. Um, and yeah, maybe they, they have to kind of go off and, and have their moment and come back, but they all want to come back and feel the group. And by the way, they may not know anybody, and it doesn't matter. And that's what's so beautiful. You don't have to talk to somebody for an hour to get to know them, to feel bonding with them, to feel connected with them. You can just be in the presence and have a shared common experience and feel that connection. You know, it's kind of like us New Yorkers, right? When, or in really the whole world, when 9-11 happened, 
Yeah. I mean, you just felt a deeper connection with other New Yorkers because we just all went through 9-11 together and we, you know, literally are breathing the same air and we saw the same thing, right? And so in a way, it's kind of like that. We're, everyone's going through something. Again, this is a microcosm. It's a, only hundreds of people going through something together and everyone's going through their own thing, but we're all going through the same thing. And what are your observations with the people who, um, when when they remove their headphones and there's an opportunity to interact to whatever degree. What's your observations that you see from the group or members of the group when the music is done? So in, on, on my tour, I did the silent walking experience where, and that's another format of this where I actually move people through nature. So we'll put the headphones on and then we actually will go on a one to two hour hike or walk through a park, up a mountain. I mean, we've done it in the most exotic locations. And getting people moving like that, remember earlier we talked about physicality, engaging our bodies actually helps engage the mind in a deeper way, right? Think about the endorphins, think about the hormones, the chemicals that are getting released by the brain that are flooding our blood, our bloodstream, right? Now body and mind more deeply connected, right? Concentration, creativity, Right. There's studies from Stanford that have shown that walking increases creativity by 60 percent. Right? It's no coincidence that Steve Jobs, right, founder of Apple, he would hold his meetings with his you know, top staff walking around the Apple campus. They were walking meetings because um, he just thought better that way. He moved and he thought and he was creative. That's how he operated. And, and we all have that. Einstein, every day when you know, he was you know, stuck on a math problem or an equation, a thought experiment, he went for a walk. He walked every day, you know, and he also played the violin. He was an amateur violinist. He turned to music as well as walking. So I actually bring those experiences together in this mind travel silent walk. So again, from the outside, totally silent, just like the concerts on the beach, right? No one's speaking. And that's the only rule I have is no talking amongst each other. Maintain the field. Everyone's listening to one of my recordings that I'm curating right from my phone. And I'm speaking live and I'm improvising now, instead of improvising the music, I'm improvising a narrative, a spoken word, poetry that connects the external environment, the external landscape that we're moving through with the internal landscape. And all too often our dissonance in life, and Brennan, maybe you can speak to this, our dissonance in life is when the two are disconnected, the Mm -hmm. external world for us is just cognizantly different than our internal world Mm -hmm. and if we can merge those together and create normalcy and coherence between those then suffering diminishes because the world is not suddenly that way right it's not out to get me i'm not a victim it's not there's not that relationship with the world right yes murray you as you've been talking like you're speaking truth i mean you're speaking to me and I just, I know what you're saying is true from the years and years and years that I've worked very closely with people, people who are suffering, um, you're speaking truth. And I'm just wondering, well, what I've really been wondering is when, when can I go to the beach and get some But the other thing I'm wondering is, is any like research outcomes or like, it, it, because I think every treatment center, um, every clinic should have uh, some kind of modality in it like this. Yeah. So are there any outcomes? 
Well, you know, it's funny. It's literally tomorrow I am speaking and I'm going to have this kind of conversation and then perform uh, live virtually for the entire Yale School of Surgery. Oh, wow. Um, all the doctors, interns, you know, every, everyone there. They, they're bringing mindfulness, music into the operating room. That's awesome. You know, so to speak. Um, and so, look, I mean, if they're open to it, right? I mean, they're, they're you know, that kind of organization, then I think we have a real shot of bringing this kind of sensibility. Yeah. Um, you know, during COVID, of the many things that I've done during COVID in terms of new creations, one of them was a partnership with an incredible nurse, Pamela, who she's on the front lines in New York, in the hospitals, and she's also a meditation mindfulness teacher. We created a, a joint recording for healthcare workers. Oh, so now nice. healthcare workers can have, in that 10-minute break between shifts, they can listen to this, chill out, and go back to the front line to their patients you know, with a sense of ease, openness, and compassion because of the overwhelm, the physical exhaustion, the emotional exhaustion that they're confronting, right? And, and now, you know, we know it's not any, ending anytime soon, right, given the extent of COVID. Right. Man, I'd love to develop something for, for addiction, you know, like a yeah. specific things for addiction or betrayal, just, just so that they can work through it, because, yeah, uh, awesome. Absolutely. And, you know, and Kobe, back to your question earlier, you know, um, when we finish these walks, and the walks can have two, three hundred people walking together. Do you know what that feels like? Do you know what that mm -hmm. looks like? when you're walking through Detroit as 300 people by the riverside and all the other people looking at you like, what is going on? <laughs> like that, that sense of impact you're having and that everyone's silent and moving deliberately with choice and you know with softness, bringing that to the landscape, the impact that has on so many, it's profound. And when we're done, I put everybody in a circle I remember one circle was so big in Pittsburgh at Frick Park that it took up a, a, the entire soccer field perimeter. That's how many people we had there. And everyone, I, and I took the time, and no one complained, not one person complained, but I took the time and I went with my microphone person by person around the perimeter, around the circle, and I gave everyone an opportunity to be heard because that's ultimately what we all need. You know, so many of us, don't just feel like we're not heard, we're not understood. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to give everyone, even if it was a word, even if it was a phrase, that's enough. You can say a lifetime in the way you say a word. You can express a lifetime. And I went person by person, and I gave them the opportunity to, to share their words. And overwhelmingly, the words I hear, the kinds of, of sentiments that I'm hearing are, you know, love, universal connection, Right. I mean, belongingness. I mean, that it just and it doesn't matter where they're from, what age, what race, what color, what religion. And all of that's reflected. You go to these cities. I mean, the people that show up because I'm not looking for a certain kind of person in terms of the superficial details. Right. Right. I'm not. It's not like, oh, I am, I'm, you know, people who are X age or whatever. No, it's it's kids, you know, coming with their families. It's seniors coming. I've had I had a woman in who she's 96. She came she came up to me afterwards with like that beautiful teary you know kind of uh, you know eyes and and she just said you'll never know what you did for me. I saw my whole life you know before wow. me and she just went on a beautiful journey, a very different one than say a little kid who you know I mean I've had uh, a father bring his son a young young son I think he was about seven years old 
um, uh, autistic on the spectrum. And he said, I can never get my kid to focus for that long. Yet with the headphones on, he was just enthralled and in, in his imagination and part of the experience the whole time. But that's the kind of things, you know, we go around a circle and, and everyone's saying something that it doesn't matter what they look like on the surface. It doesn't matter what those details are. We're, we're dropping a layer beneath that or many layers beneath that and finding that common human experience, that common human story. That's what's being expressed. And, and the music is the binding agent, you know, for that. What a beautiful, like inspiring thing that you've created. And, and, and I guess that's part of the, I mean, the, the, the most fulfilled moments in my life have been when I've been in a position to create and been in the flow in order yeah. to create. And I can only imagine what that's like for you as a composer, but then add on to that the ancillary benefit of also being able to do this in a way that you can create these experiences yeah. from the music that you've composed um, I, I think it's, I'm, I'm just in my mind's eye, Murray, I'm just seeing this unfold in various settings. And so, so someone attends one of your events virtually or in person, is there any kind of, um, maintenance mind travel that, that people can have consistently over time once they have this experience? Absolutely. The next day we send them an email, we send them an email that has a picture of the group that they were part of so they can have a connection with the experience ongoing. And we send them a link to either a live recording of the one they attended, if it was a live recording, um, or a link to a recording um, that they can continue to use if they came on one of the walks or something like that. But now they have the music they can have on their phones anytime and they can just listen to it, go on their own walk. They can, you know, lie down and just and, and tap back into that space. So. That's the kind of maintenance that they can do. Then, of course, there's the whole world of all the mind travel offerings, which, you know, there's music for helping sleep states using binaural beats. There's music for meditation. And some of those have, they're guided or just music. So I'll, I'll bring my voice into it. And if that's helpful to people, you know, great. Um, there's experiences for kids where we bring mindfulness, music and coloring, drawing together. So they can express themselves. Kids love to draw and they can also express their emotions through drawing in very profound ways. So now they're drawing and they're expressing themselves. Again, maybe words are difficult for that child, right? Which oftentimes they are. Um, they don't have the vocabulary for that emotional literacy to express how they're feeling. But it comes out through the music, through the, through the artwork that they're, that they're drawing. So lots of different experiences to really bring music into your life as ritual, right? As maintenance, like you're talking about. And especially if you're going through something like addiction recovery, it doesn't end. It's not, there's not an end to it. You know, it's not like, Oh, I'm done. Great. You know, like, right, no, right. I mean, you, you, you gotta, you gotta, it's like life. It's like, if you have a great car, if you don't take it in for service, you, you know, it's going to have right. a problem. So same thing with our with our bodies, our minds, our emotional and our spiritual states, right? You wouldn't go to the gym once and then claim you're in shape for the rest of your life. That would be a crazy statement, <laughs> right? right? Yet, yet we do that with our emotional and spiritual states often, right? right. Um, and so, what if we treated our emotional selves um, and our spiritual selves in the same way we treat we think about our physical bodies, right? It needs constant attention, awareness, investment. Um, I think that's that's really really the key to um, 
to, to you know, we talked about, you know, a fulfilling life and how, um, you know, against the adversity of what I went through, I was able to come out and really thrive on the other side, you know, with a lot of work, of course. Um, but part of the reason for that is what you just touched on, Kobe, which is the fulfilling nature of what I've created and how being of service kind of comes back to you tenfold. That's the tenfold, yeah. right? That's where the math is in that. It's not that I'm 10 times richer. As a matter of fact, I'm not. Um, <laughs> it's not that um, I'm, I'm decisively less rich <laughs> doing this. <laughs> um, but it's not about that at all. Everything's shifted. It's, it's, that's not even, uh, it's on, not even on the radar, you know? It, it's, it's about um, leading a life where purpose is at the forefront, service is at the forefront of that. And I, I don't want to make it sound altruistic. It's, it's, it's not even about that. It's about understanding the calculus, the fundamental human calculus, that the more we give and are of service, the happier we are. Yeah. Period. End stop. Like full stop. <laughs> and it's, it's it, you know, this goes back, I'm not making this up. Like this goes back to Aristotle said this 2,500 years ago. He talked about eudaimonia, eudaimonic happiness. Um, the, you know, this is about shifting from hedonic experiences, which so many people that end up in an addictive lifestyle, an addictive behavior, right? Are, again, trying to satisfy that lacking, that hole with something physical, something external, something temporary. And it's not sustainable, not sustainable. We shift to what he referenced as eudaimonia, which is comes from like euphoria, like good, you know, and good and, and daimonia means like the spirit. So things that are good for your spirit. Um, and so music certainly would satisfy that and using music in this way and being of service. Um, and, and look, and that's if you look at the, the steps of recovery, what's the last step? Give the it last step give it is is given back yeah and and it is, it's not a coincidence it's yeah. not a coincidence and, it, and there's lots of ways to give back and and uh, you know people listening to this it's not like you got to go be a musician no you give back in your own way everyone has a gift everyone has a talent everyone has a story that someone that someone can relate with learn from grow from heal from and um they can help in their own way yeah and what i'm trying to do is move people to purpose through music Right. I think that this music cracks people open or it takes the crack that they have and allows the light to shine through it. Yeah. So you know, beautiful. That's, that's what it that's what this is. That's what this works all about. And, 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 you know, I try to practice what I preach. It's 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 my own practice. It's what I do. It's what's worked for me. It's what continually works for me. It's not like I'm done. Just like we said, it's maintenance. I mean, I play every day. I listen to it all the time. I use it in this way. And, you know, I, I can't thank it enough. You know, I thank the gods of music <laughs> every day. Uh -huh. I love that. Oh, go ahead, I, just, I hope, um, you know, we, what you just said, it's just different words of what we say often, right? There's no end. And it can feel overwhelming for people like, wait, I always have to do recovery work. That sounds awful. Right. Um, but it's not. And it's that right. mind shift that you've talked about that it really is this, beautiful and a new life that for us has been the life we always wanted and had no idea how to get. And right. yes, we had to go through a lot of the messy middle to get to where we're at, but we do, we continue to do the same little things every single day because it adds up. Why yeah. stop? So yeah. thank you for sharing that. Um, 
Well, yeah. Ashlyn, I think you're, you and Kobe are a good example of, of what Murray's saying is, is when you're in your purpose, you feel peace. And when, when you're in your purpose, you, you are giving back, like you're giving to the world and that's where tenfold it all just comes back to you. And I've watched that happen with, with you guys and Murray, it sounds like you're experiencing it too. So it's just beautiful. So, hey, Murray, where, where do people find you? What's the best website? Where can they find your information? Um, mindtravel.com. It's as easy as that. Uh, just go to mindtravel, one word, .com. And uh, we post the schedule of upcoming events. Now they're virtual events. But you know, the virtual events are extremely powerful um, and, and certainly convenient. So you, yeah. know, you, know, you could be living anywhere listening to this and you can attend a virtual event. So uh, definitely look for that. I even I have excuse me I've even been doing the virtual walks. Um, so instead of having to you know we're not walking together now, but um, you walk in your neighborhood and you can listen live as I walk in mine. Oh, so we cool. we can have dozens and dozens of people walking respectively in their neighborhoods, but we're all doing it together. And there's a power in that. So wow. yeah, so all that's on the site. There's a lot of music on the site, of course, and um, I, I invite people to you know check it out. Cool. Awesome. Thank you for coming on today, Murray. You've been amazing. I really appreciate it. You guys it. are great. Yeah. I'm definitely going to go check out all, all your stuff. So I know. I'm really excited. We need to do it. Um, I just have to say, I love the that you brought this to us today and to our listeners. I think different modalities of healing are so important. It's the pieces of the puzzle yeah. and we all are pieced together so different and there is no here is the path. It's this, it's whatever works and feels right and step into that. So thank you for sharing your passion and your purpose with us today. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And you have to know, Marie, that this is especially meaningful for me because um, Ashlyn will attest to this, that I have this wide <laughs> breadth of, uh, of music that I listen to. But the truth is, is that when I really need solace and clarity and I'm, I need to, to center myself, I always go to, um, I always go to, I shouldn't say classical, but I, I, I instrumental. yeah, instrumental yeah. Pr primarily. It's, it's kind of interesting too. I, I've just found some, some playlists, for instance, one is called sad classical on, on Spotify, which, which might seem like kind of dismal, like, wait, Kobe, what, what are you doing exactly? But, but the truth is, is that that particular music speaks to me and allows me to just soothe myself. It puts me in a, in, in like this, this headspace where I can just face what I'm feeling in a very, in a very calm, chill way. Um, cinematic chill is another one that I listen to a lot on Spotify. Um, I, and <laughs> I've told, I, I have these groups that I mentor guys in and, and I work with guys one-on-one -on -one too. And I had uh, one, one person in particular who, who uh, texted me last week and said, so I'm watching the debate and I figured it'd be better if I listened to cinematic chill while I do it. <laughs> Just to help me get through it. <laughs> yes. But, but I- Sounds I, like we need that. Right? If you can yeah. provide that for us I next week. Score, I gotta score the next debate. <laughs> exactly. That might be quite a score. Maybe it's something more along the lines of Fantasia than uh, maybe your traditional. But, but the truth is though, is that, um, that's been used um, very music for me has been used in a very reactive way to help me deal with uh, tumultuous moments and, and, and even um, longer sustained periods of time. But, but to, to understand and know that I can go to mindtravel.com, I can go to your site 
and I can find something that will not just allow me to face the things that are hard, but can be this, this anchor for me as I, as you said, feel through and move through the hard things um, and to be supported in my own individuality, in my own situation, without speaking a word, yeah. that's a beautiful thing. And I, I promise you, one of the things that was the most scary for me when I first started this journey of recovery was being in my own head, was, was silence, really, because that often meant that I had to face mm-hmm. the carnage that I had left behind me yeah. based upon my, my actions. And so the fact that, that, um, that you are leading people in a very purpose-filled way to connect with themselves, um, maybe even to find some forgiveness of self yeah. along the path. It's a beautiful thing. Totally support it. Appreciate your work and appreciate what you've done. And uh, out of desperate and, and uh, devastating tragedy that you personally experienced, there is all this life. And I'm sure your sister is, is, is um, with you the, the whole way in, in being able to be a support and an angel for you in guiding you on this. It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. So appreciate your work and appreciate your effort and certainly uh, grateful for you joining us today. Thank you. This was really a pleasure. And, um, uh, I really enjoyed the conversation and the flow and, and the energy of it. So yeah, yeah, it's been beautiful. So guys, thanks for joining us today and, uh, please share this episode. You've heard some things that can really, um, help people generally, even without, without of, of this arena, outside of this arena of addiction recovery. Um, so go ahead and share it and uh, you'll never know what good it will do. So thanks for being with us, guys.